I don't know if you guys know this or not, but one of the reasons why Aubrey can sing so well, she's singing for two, so uh, she's got two voices. How she do that? She harmonizes with herself. It's pretty cool. And for those guys out there not getting, she's pregnant. Some of you, some of the guys are out there. I don't get it, Harold. What do you mean? So uh, I know that Justin already mentioned this, but I want to make sure I mention it too. So, and because I don't know if you guys are catching this, in two weeks, March 18th, is our one-year birthday. So we launched, see, you guys are just not with me today. Now we should be going, yeah, all right, woo. Man, this is a tough crowd today. Way to go today, by the way, because you know, it was kind of strong. Why don't you guys lower that so much for me? Just kidding. Um, so yeah, our, our one-year birthday is coming up, two weeks, March 18th. You need, <laughs> gave you guys a little bit of a break there. You guys caught on. That's nice. Appreciate that. It makes me feel good. I go home all happy. Um, but yeah, so one year. And so we've got invite cards out there to invite people. To, we're going to have a party that day. I, I kind of like how we do the music thing here. Because sometimes we have the band up here. Sometimes we have just kind of an acoustical thing like we did today. And, and I like, I'm kind of a person that doesn't like get stuck in a rut. Um, and so I kind of like that. But on the 18th, we're going to have a band up here. You know, we're going to party. We're going to celebrate what God's doing up here. After the service, we've got food and, and cake and all kinds of sweet stuff and, and games. And I don't know if you saw up on Facebook, but like the young adults were in here. Uh, we had two cornhole games going, you know, for a little tourney action going on there. So uh, we'll be doing that on Sunday. So it was good. Good time. Hope you guys are going to be there. Be a part of that. Invite your friends. It would be a great Sunday for them to come check us out. God's doing some neat things here, and uh, just really appreciate all that. Well, we're finishing up our series, Rite of Passage. We've been looking at what God says about what it means to be a man. <clears throat> this world has uh, its ideas of what a man is, and I don't recognize it anymore. <laughs> um, but I think we need to represent as guys in this world, and we need to do it the way God wants us to. And so we talked about the first week that a man pursues God. First and foremost, before he does anything else, a man needs to pursue God. And we looked at King David in the Old Testament. Uh, a man's man uh, lived a, a great life, uh, did some incredible things, um, but also screwed up big time. And yet when he screwed up, he got his life back in line with who God is and what God desires for him. And so he was a, he's a great example for us, because obviously guys were not perfect, but uh, God said to David that you're a man after my own heart. And that's really us guys. We need to be focusing that way and, and making sure God would say that of us. And we talked last week about the, the fact that a man leads his family. We talked about priority one is God. Priority two is his family. Priority three is work. Priority four is church. And priority five is hobbies and, you know, leisure uh, things. But I need to clarify something. When I said number four was church, I didn't mean number four, like coming to church was a, a prior, you know, I'm saying serving in the church would be a priority four, okay? Because being a part of church, being at church, uh, leading your family to church, your own relationship with the Lord comes through partially your time here at church. So church is a major part, being a part of a church family, being here each week, taking part of what the things that we're doing, the things that we're teaching, all that kind of stuff is necessary for your spiritual growth as it is as your home and uh, putting those things into practice as well as uh, leading your family that way. So I just wanted to clarify that. But I'm, I'm very much of, of the persuasion that 
Third is work. I mean, we have to work. God's given us that ability to do that and the responsibility to take care of our families. <clears throat> and we want you serving the church because God commands that too. But if you're spending all your time in the church to the detriment of your work and you're getting in trouble at work and you can't provide for your family, you need to focus on work. And there's always things you can do at church uh, in and around your work schedule. And I know some of you guys have done that and um, appreciate you guys doing that. So... Um, I want to talk to two groups of people, uh, like I've done the last couple of weeks. If you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, I did a word to the wives, and then I did, today I'm going to do a word to the wise, you know, kind of how we would normally understand it. So, ladies, if you've been here the last two weeks, you've heard this, but you're going to hear it again. If this is your first time with us, ladies, you're going to hear what I've told the ladies the last two weeks. And that is number one, oh, maybe, ladies, what's number one? Don't check out, right. We're talking to the guys, and so a lot of times, you know, the ladies are kind of like, did the guys say don't check out? No, I think the ladies said don't check out. You know, here's the ladies. See what's going on on Facebook. Uh, you know, checking your security at your house and making sure the dog's not getting in the trash. Um, don't do that because the things we're talking about today uh, in this whole series is for you as well. There's principles in there that you need to be a part of and hearing and understanding what God desires of you. Secondly, you guys did so well on the first one. And you haven't even been here for the last couple of weeks. Way to go, Aubrey. You've been listening to me on... Uh... Oh, it's up there. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> I was always told I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you want your man. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I do this for a living. Can't just, but, you know. Yeah, you want, ladies, you want your man to be the man God wants him to be. All right? Because if he becomes the man God wants him to be, he'll be the perfect man for you. God knows what you need better than you know what you need. And so he wants to form and make your man into the man of God that he wants because it's the best man for you. And then lastly, because it's up on the screen already, and this is, you know, huge. I'm telling you, ladies, this is huge. Don't fear or stunt your man's spiritual growth. And I, I don't know why this happens in marriages, but it does. And in my marriage counseling over the years, I've seen this more than once. And I literally, I don't get it, but... The guy starts making steps towards being more, you know, Christ-like and living life God's way. And I guess maybe because a lady has maybe seen him try before and failed, try before and failed, and she's like, yeah, this is, is going to work. Problem is she says that to him. Well, that doesn't encourage a guy. It doesn't encourage anybody, right? So we need to make sure, ladies, that we're not stunting um, our man's spiritual growth. We shouldn't be fearing it. You are a powerful force for growth. You need to be his cheerleader, encouraging him, helping him. The word to the wise is this. Uh, whether it's this issue or, any other, or some other issue in Scripture, as you start reading the Bible more and start studying it more, you're going to find things that you don't agree with. You're going to find things that you go, I don't know if I necessarily like God telling me I can or can't do that, right? Uh, a topic today is kind of controversial, and um, so this might be one of those where you're uh, wondering, but um, our responsibility is to study the Bible, uh, find out what it, it, what it actually says, what it accurately says, um, and then if we still disagree with it, we willingly, willingly come under God's authority and we do what he calls Because 
his way of doing life is far better than our way of doing life. He knows better than us what we should or shouldn't do. Um, and it's either God's word is our authority, and he is our authority in our lives, uh, or he's not. And I would encourage you to take God at his word. Know what it says. Know it accurately. Don't just take my word for it, by the way. Another reason why I'm always encouraging people to be in, your, in the Bible during the week, because, you know, I'm going to try to be as accurate as I can, but, you know, feel free to check it out. Check what I'm saying out. And again, I say that... Um, just as a reminder, but also for today, because what we're going to be talking about is <clears throat> finishing up the series of Rite of Passage is going to be the fact that men are to lead in the church. Now, I say that, and some of you guys already bristle. We'll explain that more, but it's man's responsibility, according to God, to be um, spiritual leaders in our church. And it's controversial. Um, in this day and age, there's a lot of attack on you know male leadership and you know, um, misunderstanding about what Bible says about it and all. But the passage that we're going to look at is in First uh, Timothy, chapter two. Uh, this summer, I think we're making a plans to actually uh, teach through First Peter or First Timothy. Pardon me. Um, to be preaching through First Timothy in total. But um, I think in July we're kind of looking at possibly doing that. But we're going to jump ahead a little bit here and, and look at it first. Uh, but there's a passage of Scripture that kind of lays out for us um, the idea that men, and, and, not just, and not all men, we'll talk about this, not all men are to be spiritual leaders in the church. All men are to serve, but not all of them are going to be the spiritual leader is the way I'm talking about it. Only certain ones, okay? And so, anyways, it comes in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, starts in verse 9. We're going to need 9 through 15, but then we're going to reference chapter 3. But it says this, and it's kind of, kind of a backside here to what I'm trying to teach. It says this, Likewise, so uh, Paul's giving us some instruction here. It says, Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women, making a claim to godliness. Basically what he's saying there is, you know, women are not to be drawing attention to themselves from in, in an exterior type of way. That's basically what all he's saying there. That if a woman is going to be known, a godly woman is going to be known for being a godly woman, it needs to be how she responds and how she acts and how she lives her life and specifically in the church. Verse 11. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Again, we're going to explain all this. Man, when I read this stuff, sometimes I start sweating. You know? <laughs> Paul, why did you use these words? Um, but then God is the one who inspired him. So anyways, moving forward. For it was Adam who was first created, then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children. They continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-constraint. So what I want to do this morning is I want to start out by looking at what he's not saying, okay, what God's not saying about men and women, and then look at what he is saying as it pertains to this whole idea of uh, men leading a church, um, leading spiritually in the church. So first, God is not saying that men and women are not equal in his eyes, are not equal in value in his eyes. All right? So, 
Uh, Genesis 1.27. It says, God created man, and that's the generic term for mankind. So men and women. Created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, men, we are not more valuable to God. All right? God's not going, oh boy, I hope Harold comes to me for salvation because, man, is he good. You know, we're not more valuable than, than women to God. Women, you're not more valuable to God than men. We're equally valuable. He used that word image. We've talked a lot about this word image recently. But image has this idea, number one, that we are created with attributes that, are, that make us people, persons. The ability to think and the, the, the ability to, um, uh, to rationalize and to think through things and solve problems and that kind of stuff, but also have this idea of free will. So God wanted us to freely choose him, not make us robots. Men have that. Women have that. We have this ability to have free will, a relationship with God, and God wants that relationship with men and women on an individual basis. We have that. But it also has this idea that they are equal in a sense of their purpose. And when I say purpose, I'm not saying responsibilities. I'm saying purpose. So men and women also are equal in a sense of having his image in our purpose, and our purpose is to represent him and manage what he provides for us. So men have responsibilities in doing that. Women have responsibilities in doing that. But we all have the same purpose of representing God and fulfilling uh, what he has for us in order to manage what he's given us. Secondly, God's not saying women, men and women are not equal in relation to salvation. All right? So uh, the first thing here is that we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 clearly states that. So we've all sinned. Men, we are sinful, depraved scumbags. Okay? Women, you are sinful, depraved beautiful roses. Can I just say that? Because I have to say that. No. No, we're, we're all sinful. We're all sinners. We've, we've all fallen short of God's glory, of his perfection. And, and therefore, we're equal in the sense of our, our sin and our, um, the fact that we have gone against God's word. Now, Scripture kind of makes a distinction between what the sin was. You know, Eve was deceived, and, and Adam was spiritually passive. We talked about that. He didn't step up and take the spiritual lead like he was supposed to. So our sin is, is different, but it's still sin, and God still needs to, to deal with that. So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that sin permeates all of us. But because we're all spiritually dead equally... And because we're all of equal value to God, he provides salvation to us equally. So men have equal opportunity for salvation, just as women have equal opportunity. In Galatians 3, 26-28 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, all you who were baptized in Christ, in other words, those who have given their life to Christ, and his Holy Spirit has baptized us, cleaned us out, indwells us, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So we're like in Christ, kind of like I'm in these clothing, this clothing, spiritually we are in Christ. There is neither, therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, 
There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, I just missed my, missed my notes up here. So, um, the context in this, these verses is that they're not, he's not talking about service in church, okay? How, we, how men serve, how women serve. He's talking about salvation. People will use this verse and say, well, see, men and women are equal, so therefore men and women should be able to do whatever they want to do in the church. This context is speaking of our salvation. And so it's in salvation that men and women are equal. We have the equal need for salvation. We have the equal opportunity to receive salvation by our faith in Christ and receiving God's forgiveness. So it doesn't matter your ethnicity. You know, I'm Norwegian and, you know, um, American, I guess you could say, and some of you guys out there aren't, sorry. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Um, but you're different ethnicities, but we're all the one in Christ. We're different genders, but we're all one in Christ. We all do different kinds of jobs, but we're all one in Christ. One in Christ in the sense of our salvation. Third thing is, God's not saying that women are not to serve in the church. There have been some over the centuries, for whatever reason, and I think I know some of them, <laughs> um, you know, they want to keep women down, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but God's not saying, women, you're not to serve in the church. You are. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the fact that God's Holy Spirit has given spiritual gifts, a spiritual ability to serve in a church. It doesn't distinguish between men and women in those chapters. It's talking to everybody who is a follower of Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to serve in a church, and, and we're supposed to do that. And we have numerous examples of uh, women in the Old Testament during the Gospels, uh, the first century church, where women were serving. Okay, so we're you know, we're certainly not saying, and God's word certainly not saying, that women are not to serve in a church. And the last thing, I shouldn't have to say this, but this comes up from time to time, and so I, I feel like we need to kind of say it, and that's this. It's, God's not saying that women can't own a business, can't be president one day, you know, that kind of stuff. We're talking about the church, you know, and what, and what men are supposed to do in church, what women are supposed to do in church. This is not anything about outside the church. Ladies, if you want to own a business, go do it. If you want to be president one day, go do it. Um, whatever else you want to do, you know, make it legal. You know, no illegal activity out there. Just want to make sure that's clear. So what is God saying here? Um, the context really comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 14 and 15. So Paul waits a little bit before he kind of gives the, the reason why he's writing, the context of this entire book. And so in, in chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, he says, I'm writing these things to you. He's writing to Timothy, who's a pastor at a church in the town of Ephesus. He says, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth, which is just a... We're going to look more into that in July. Um, just a really cool point that he's making there. But what, he, what he's saying here, the context is, how is, this, how is the church supposed to be um, structured? And how then are we supposed to have, how are we supposed to conduct ourselves? How are we supposed to operate within that structure that God gives us? So Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a pastor, and the pastor has some responsibilities. He's supposed to make sure he's keeping out false teaching, and he tells Titus in another book, another pastor, 
that we're supposed to be entrusting the gospel and to men who will then entrust the gospel to others is a whole idea of a discipleship and developing um, men to lead. But then it's also this other thing about you know, making sure that we stay faithful to God's word and keeping the truth and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what we're doing this morning, making sure we understand what God's word says about male leadership in a church. So that's the context. So what is God saying in these verses that seems to be kind of bashing women or keeping women down. First of all, God's saying all women are to be taught God's word. You kind of miss that if you don't know the culture of the day. Back in the day, in the first century, even before that, and even in a lot of religions today, in a lot of cultures today, women are seen as just property. They have no value. They have no rights. Back in the Old Testament and the New Testament, those different cultures back then, that's how it was. And so when Christ came onto the scene and when the church was growing, it was Christ and his teaching who brought value back to women and put women on the same level as men. Different responsibilities, same value. So people, Christianity gets knocked all the time. But if people really understood history, they would see that it's men, it's Christians who have elevated, it's Christ who's elevated women. And so in this, this was shocking to them. For the ladies to come into a church service and hear that they were supposed to get taught, they didn't get taught anything. They stayed in the house, and they took care of the house. They didn't go to school in the religious settings. They didn't get any instruction. In the pagan world, the husbands went off to the temple and spend time with women, but it wasn't with them, and that was part of their worship. This was shocking. This is earth-shattering to the first century, and it wasn't, like I said, until biblical Christianity, and I, I say biblical Christianity because, unfortunately, in our Christian history, we've seen men use this to keep women down, but the truth of the matter is, ladies, you need to be here. You need to be taught God's Word. You need to know what God's Word has to say, just like any man has that responsibility and privilege. And so he's saying, women, you need to be taught just like the men need to be taught. And we got, next one, God is saying, all women are to be quiet. <laughs> Again, you know, it's, it's Greek into English, and then it's, you know, and so English, our words are not always the best. What he's saying here is not that women can't talk in the church. There have been some who taught that. And it's strange to my, in my thinking, but he's not saying that women can't talk in the church. All right? First Corinthians talks about the fact that a woman should ask her husband if she has got a question. You know, so there is that dynamic where if she's got a question, she should go to her husband, husbands, who are the spiritual leaders in the home who should be spending time in God's Word, who should know what God's Word has to say and should be able to answer these questions. <laughs> now, I'm fine with you guys coming and asking me, and I think that's you know, scripturally appropriate, but ladies, feel free to ask your husbands. husbands. Husbands, you better know. And if you guys need to talk to me, I'll help you too. But you know, The idea there is in relationship to teaching men or having authority over men, women are not to have that, as he's kind of doubling up on what he's saying. They are to remain quiet. They're not to be teaching scriptural principles to men. doesn't mean that a woman um, can't lead a meeting about the impact team. <laughs> That's going to happen today. Um, you know, so 
we have a real quick stand-up meeting with the impact team. And so Mary's going to come in there. She's going to tell you a few things about what we need to do and some remind you some things and that kind of thing. We're, what we're talking about is teaching uh, biblical principles and doctrine and having authority over in a spiritual dynamic. Okay? So that's what he means by quiet. And then fourth on this, God is saying only spiritually qualified men are to teach and exercise spiritual authority in the church. I'm not going to read through it, but you can. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. So all men, guys, we're supposed to serve in the church. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what's going on in, your, in one sense. Um, you know, again, in one sense, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. There are ways that you can serve in the church. But then there are some who are spiritually qualified, who have certain characteristics and qualities about themselves that they're working towards and developing and becoming more like Christ in this way, that then should be those who uh, spiritually lead the church. That doesn't mean that they have to lead the church. Okay? So we may have some spiritually qualified men who could be, we'll say, elders, overseers in the church, but that doesn't mean that you have to, because it's interesting, Paul says this in, in the first verse, um, is a trustworthy statement, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. So if you can kind of picture this, you know, back in the day, um, back in the Old Testament, God called men uh, to serve him and to instruct his people. And then there was kind of like those who were born into the Levitical priesthood type of thing. Those people then became. And then Jesus, um, he called some guys and appointed them and taught them. And then those apostles took some guys and, and they began to pour into them. But then the apostles died off. And now what? Well, it seems to, from what we're understanding in Scripture, was that as the apostles died off, Timothy and Titus, Apollos, those other guys that were leading the church at the time, they would then look for guys and be discipling guys and training guys to be leaders. And then if a person, if a guy came to them and said, hey, I, I wouldn't mind being a spiritual leader in a church, that these guys would then say, okay, well, I'll start looking at your qualities. Let's look at your life. Let's, where are you at with God? Are you pursuing God? Are you a guy who manages his family well? You know, what's going on in your, in your relationship with God, with your relationship with your wife, with your kids, that kind of thing. And if it looked like it squared up right then they would put that person into a, a position of spiritual authority in the church. But they had to fulfill these qualities. He says the fine work that they do, it, it means virtuous, virtuous toil. So it's not easy. And those of you who may have been in spiritual leadership before, you know this. This is not an easy place to be. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's not just for anybody. But those who fit these qualities and live these qualities out and the last thing that God is saying here is that this command to have spiritually qualified men lead the church, teach and lead the church, is for all time. It's for all churches of all time. Some people would say, well, well, here's really what Paul was doing. He was talking to, to Timothy, who was in Ephesus, and in Ephesus there were some ladies who were, you know, kind of out of control and need to somehow get those ladies back under control. And so Paul gave him this, you know, here, do this and say it's from God. You know? The problem is, 
Paul, um, again, inspired by God, goes back to the Old Testament, goes back to Genesis, to creation, for the reason why this is to happen. And so when you do Bible study and you understand you know, all the different dynamics and rules and guidelines of what it means to study the Bible, one of the things that you keep an eye out for is, does he do something like this, go all the way back to creation, before Israel even, back to creation, and this is the reason why. And so in verse 13, it's kind of talking about Genesis 2. We're not going to go back there. You can read it. We've talked quite a bit about it. But it was significant to God that he created Adam first. And it was significant to God that he didn't create Eve in and of herself, but created Eve out of Adam. There is, there's significance in that. We can't miss that significance. Order to God, in a sense of when things are created or established or birth, that kind of thing, Order is important to him. Order means not importance, more important than the other, but there's, even in the Godhead, in certain times if we read through Scripture, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they're working in a subservient manner, if I can use that word. And so, in this case, same deal. Adam's created first. He is the one that God instructed, uh, that God gave um, here's how life is supposed to be. Here's what you're supposed to be doing in the garden. Um, and then out of Adam, he created Eve, and Eve is, this, is described as a an helper. And a helper is the idea of coming alongside of her husband and helping him do what they were created to do. So they were created to what? Represent God to the world and manage what he provided. Different roles, same purpose, helping each other accomplish those things. In Genesis 2.18, God says, again, that um, Eve was considered a helper. She wasn't created to lead man. She was created to help man. Man was the one, Adam was the one that God told, initiate your relationship with your wife. Initiate pursuing me. Initiate, initiate, initiate. That was what the man is supposed to be doing. The woman was supposed to help him accomplish those things, and together fulfill what God has. Both equally valuable, both equally important to God's plan. Verse 14 kind of goes along with Genesis 3. It wasn't Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. And again, we've, we've talked about this quite a bit. In uh, Genesis 2 and 16, the woman who was operating outside of God's plan at that time, saw what she saw, thought what she thought, and reacted based on that. She didn't go to God for asking for help. She didn't go to Adam. She went on what Satan was saying, believed him, followed through, and because of that, she sinned. And it says in Genesis 3 that she'll, by doing that also, the ramifications of that sin and that desire to be taking initiative in the relationship, she'll eventually try to take leadership in the relationship. And that flows over into the church as well. In Genesis 3, verse 6 and 19, when man is operating outside of God's desire, when he's operating life the way he thinks he should operate, he's a tendency is to become spiritually passive, focus in on his work, to the detriment of his family. It's kind of a general thing that you see happening in marriages that are not doing it God's way. And when they become 
too focused on work and not enough on their family, what's left for the wife to do? She thinks, I need to take the leadership in the home. In the church, the same thing happens. Men don't step up. Then there's a need, and the women do step up. Okay, It's just the way it is. Unfortunately, oftentimes, we're doing it because we think it's the best way to take care of an issue in our homes and in our church. But just because sin negatively impacts our response to life, if we allow it to, it never negates how God has set up his structure. That's so important for us to understand. Just because we think God's plan doesn't seem right to us, it doesn't negate the fact that it is what it is. Truth is truth. God's way of doing life is God's way of doing life. It's the best way for us to do life, and we better submit to that. And so in a church, for instance, that may mean we don't do some you know, ministry or something. You know, um, now I'll I'll talk more about how that works here as a campus church as it relates to grace in Fremont. But so our responsibility is not to figure out a way around, but how do we submit to that in a way that God can honor and God can bless here in our church? And in verse fifteen, um, it says that women, Eve, women will be preserved or saved through having children. I have to admit, this is one of the most difficult verses for scholars to break down. The wording is kind of weird in the original language, um, and, and so it is, it is what it is. But the word preserved could also be saved, which doesn't necessarily help us either. Um, so let me just read kind of how I think it, that way I don't mess up my words here. This is how I wrote it down. I believe it refers to saved or preserved in a sense of keeping oneself free from sinning by teaching men and fulfilling their God-given responsibility of helping by raising and teaching godly children. So this idea that women, um, the way they're preserved, the way they fulfill their responsibility is as they have children. Now he's talking about in a family, obviously. We're not going to be, you know, there's some cults that do that kind of stuff. Well, we're not going to be doing that kind of stuff. So as a woman is giving birth to children, her responsibility, her way of fulfilling that, and therefore saving or preserving herself from following through on taking the leadership in a home is teach the children who God is. Now, the man's doing it too, but the woman needs to do it as well, and, and to teach the children who God is, and teach them godly responsibilities and how God has laid out the family, and then also in the church to be able to do that as well. Because obviously, ladies, you have a huge impact on your kids. Kim, Kim has had massive impact on our kids. You know, I, I, you guys, I've shared my story a little bit, but I haven't always done life God's way, all right? And, and so when, in those times in my life where I was struggling and working through physical problems and, and all kinds of stuff, never once did Kim ever talk badly about me to the kids, she always talked in a very positive way and thanked me for going to work in the morning. And just, she did what she was supposed to do. She saved or preserved herself in a sense of living a right way, godly way. Last point on this uh, is that God has demonstrated this leadership structure throughout the Bible. You can't miss it. You read through Scripture, and sometimes it's so plain it's hard to see, but throughout Scripture, God's always called a man told the man what the instructions were, and told him to lead. To lead spiritually his family, to lead spiritually his people. Just look out through Scripture. 
There's only a couple times in the Old Testament where it happened the other way. And one of them that everyone talks about is Deborah. Uh, she was a judge. The reason why is because Barak didn't want to take the judgeship. So she jumped in there and she took it. But Barak was the one who led the men into battle. You know, so she was kind of a figurehead type of thing. She's one, you know, one example that people will point to. But the point is, God's structure has always been there. When, when God the Son came to earth, he came to earth as a man. He chose men. He poured into those men. Those men had the qualities necessary to, to lead the church, and they chose men who poured into those men, and they had the qualities to lead the church. And so we continue that on today. Jesus bucked a lot of cultural issues. We're going to be talking about that in our next series, Public Enemy, in the next four weeks, talking about Jesus and how, and how he bucked a lot of cultural issues, but this is not one that he bucked. He held true to what we understand Scripture is teaching us. So what does that look like for Grace Community Church real quick? So for those who don't know, we are a campus church of Grace Community Church in Fremont, Ohio. And um, so there is a, a group of elders that also includes Pastor Kevin and Pastor Tim, the lead associate. They are our elders, okay? So when there's issues going on, um, not that we've had any, but if there were, you know, I would be responding to the elders. Uh, Pastor Kevin and Tim are my, my uh, supervisors, my direct supervisors, if you want to call that. Um, but we are developing and putting into practice things necessary to help you guys, men, grow in your understanding of doctrine and theology, ministry, philosophy, and we're going to be spreading that and expanding that as we grow. We're only a year old. Um, so I've talked about this, and I'll talk about it again, and I'll mention it on the Saturday. But we have a men's leadership group that's going on right now, and so uh, seven guys and myself, we meet once a month, talk about theology, doctrine, and ministry, philosophy. And in the summertime, we're going to send out an email, and we're going to offer that to any other guy who wants to be a part of that. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you think you know, your background is or if you're concerned about anything. Come and be a part of that, okay? And it'll be a monthly commitment, and it'll probably meet maybe at a different time than on Sunday at 7.30. If I have a group, I'll be doing one at Sunday at 7.30 because it works best in my schedule. Sorry, I'm just going to be that way. Um, but some of you guys, as they split up, may choose. So the guys that I went through the stuff with, they're going to take some guys through the stuff, the, the, the stuff, the, you know, what we're teaching, the stuff. Um, couldn't get out, because it's not curriculum, but. Um, and then one last thing is this, because um, so, some people have asked this question. So when it comes to our youth pastors, so in other words, what, what is a man in the church? What we try to do is we try to look at the first century church and get into their minds and say, when Paul wrote this, what does the first century church people think? So in the culture of that day, whether it was Greek, Roman, or uh, Jewish culture, uh, there was a rite of passage for a 12 or 13-year-old boy to step into manhood. So when Paul was writing this, we believe the people in the church were going, oh, my 12-year-old, you know, oh, my 13-year-old is what they're talking about. So we, through Grace Community Church and the campuses, um, our youth pastors who work with middle school and above will always be men. Okay? We'll always have youth pastors that are men because we believe that's what the first century church uh, understood. So that's, and again, not all churches do that. They, just, they determine who a man is, you know, what age a man is, and may you know, go some different routes, that type of thing. But that's how we do it. Anyways, so 
kind of an abrupt end to that message, but um, if you had more questions about that, feel free to contact me. But again, our goal in this last three weeks was to really push our guys and challenge our guys and encourage our guys to make sure that you're pursuing God, okay? Number one most important thing in your life is, one, to have a relationship with Christ, okay? To know that God has forgiven you of your sins as you've placed your faith on Christ and asked for that forgiveness of sins and have that relationship established. And then pursue God for yourself, for you to know God. And that means time in God's Word, the Bible, time in prayer, uh, getting involved here at church on Sunday mornings, coming to Bible study on Thursday nights, taking advantage of all the different ways, because one of my things is I want to teach you guys how to know the Bible for yourselves. Okay, I'm not going to fish for you. I'm going to teach you how to fish, right, that kind of scenario. Um, and that way you can fish for yourselves and, and God can teach you. And then to lead your families, because our families are under attack. We talked about that last week. Families are under attack, and somebody's got to stand in the gap, and somebody's got to protect our families, and God calls the men to be the guys to do that. And so we talked about what that means, what that looks like, and then in the church. And we're going to help you guys do that. I, I would love to see us double that number of guys, if not more, involved in that um, men's leadership group. Again, it doesn't mean you're going to become an elder. It just means you're going to know God's Word, and you're going to know doctrine and theology and understand why we do what we do here at church. So I hope you guys take advantage of that, and um, we'll talk more about it on Saturday when we meet. So if you have questions, we can answer them then. But why don't you go ahead and stand? And we're going to go ahead and close the service. Next week, Public Enemy, we're going to start a new series leading into Easter um, and looking at Jesus Christ and some of the ways that he kind of rocks society and went up against what culture would normally teach. Uh, so you want to be a part of that and um, get to know who Christ really is, not some, as I saw on the Internet this week, they uh, did some studies, so, and they found out that Jesus most likely was muscular and looked like a Middle Eastern man. <laughs> what? You mean a Jewish man looked like a Middle Eastern man? No way. Go figure. Anyways, I put it up on Facebook because I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, we got, you know, obviously, yeah, he was a carpenter. And, you know, he didn't float around. The, anyways, we're going to talk more about him and uh, what he did while he was here on earth. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I want to thank you for today. Thank you so much for uh, your love for us. And, you know, even talking about this kind of stuff and how the church is supposed to look and then also what man or men are supposed to do in a church. Uh, I don't know, maybe we don't hear it enough, and um, I'm thankful that we're able to look at it. Lord, I, I pray uh, for our men um, because they have uh, a difficult job. They have a, a world to um, go against, a world that's trying to knock them down and tell them that there's something that they're not. And they go out to work, and they work hard, and they come home, and they have the family to lead. And the dynamics, again, not saying that women don't have those kind of things, but men have them. And Lord, we need you. And so I pray for our guys. I pray that they would take that step of humility, um, that they would take that step towards you, and that you would just grab hold of them, and that you would draw them into your word and draw them into times of prayer and talking with you, learning about who you are. And Lord, just show them your presence and your power in their lives as they deal with the issues that they face in their families. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory you deserve. In Christ's name, amen.
Thanks for being with us. Have a great week. Impact team will meet in the quad in a couple minutes. <laughs>